Welcome to Taking Notes with NextGen Venture Partners, where we have interesting conversations with entrepreneurs and innovators in the NextGen investing ecosystem. I'm your host, Dan Mindis. We hope you enjoy the discussion. My guest today is Martin Babinick, author of the new book, More Good Jobs. Martin is the founder of Trinet, a $4 billion outsourced HR company based in the Bay Area. And after building Trinet for 20 years, Martin returned to his hometown in upstate New York and turned his mind to revitalizing the innovation economy of the region. In that effort, Martin has founded nonprofits, invested his time and money in local startups, and even founded a political party called the Upstate Jobs Party. The book is fun and informative, and it reads like a memo on how to boost a local entrepreneurial ecosystem and bring high-paying jobs to a region. Here's Martin Babinick, author of More Good Jobs. Martin, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Dan. Happy to be here. Well, you've written a really compelling book. I had the pleasure of reading it over the last uh, week or so, thinking about this conversation. And one of the lines that really struck me is that you talked about a runway of tears. Maybe we can start by you sharing what that means. Happy to do that, Dan. That particular saying came to my attention by a candidate for New York's governor who um, was from the Buffalo area. And as he was running on the Libertarian Party line, reminded everyone that the loss of talent, our next generation talent out of Western New York was so great as parents would bring their children to the airport, put them on the plane, off to college, or off to their first job after college, that that name, The Runway of Tears, captured the sentiment of what parents, grandparents, uncles, aunts, and so many others understood just by that reference in the context of losing the next generation who were seeking opportunities in the newer industries that they could not find in Buffalo. And yes, that sentiment is one that has absolutely been behind my interest in writing this book, More Good Jobs, to address that very problem. And the book concentrates or spends some time looking at the difference between cities that are attracting young talent and then those cities that are not. And maybe you could share just how you look at that framework or that dichotomy? Let me begin by saying that I have returned to my hometown of Little Falls, New York, boomeranging back there after being away 25 years with stops in between in New York City, um, Providence, Rhode Island, Seattle, Washington, Yokosuka, Japan, Naples, Italy, and then landing in the San Francisco Bay Area, where I started Trinet, a company today that is a $4 billion market cap public company, New York Stock Exchange, in the field of HR outsourcing, as we are a professional employer organization for about 17,000 small to mid-sized companies around the U.S. And in starting and growing Trinet in the Silicon Valley, I was very fortunate to have received the help from a lot of people along the way. 
And it wasn't until after I relocated my family from Silicon Valley to my hometown of Little Falls, New York, in the summer of 1999, um, that uh, uh, we were getting ready to try to take China public at the height of the dot-com era and the year 2000. It's another long story, but um, that obviously didn't work out. And I spent 10 years commuting between my Mohawk Valley um, home and Silicon Valley while still building Trina. And in the course of those 10 years, I spent a lot of time thinking about uh, how fortunate I was to have received the help that I did in Silicon Valley and realized that if I had tried to start Trinet with what I knew back then as a rookie entrepreneur, didn't understand anything about business models, didn't understand anything about sales and marketing, didn't know anybody uh, that were doing entrepreneurial ventures, had no idea about the difference between a startup and a small business. Those concepts were all very foreign to me when I began the journey with Trinet. If I had tried to start Trinet with what I knew back in 1988 when we started, if I tried to do that in upstate New York, would I do that? I would have failed for sure. And it was that realization that the community makes such a difference in the ability to help entrepreneurs not only start, but grow companies. That realization is something that grew on me. And over the course of 10 years of this commuting, I spent a lot of time thinking about what could I as one guy do to help reverse that trend in upstate New York, not just for my hometown, which is a very small place, but to think more broadly about doing that for a region. And that was the journey for the last 10 years that I've been on, beginning with the start of nonprofit Upstate Venture Connect in the year 2010 and continuing right up to today and beyond. So um, we're, we're still very hands down and uh, kind of working on this uh, every day, but have made a lot of progress in this 10 years towards uh, addressing that challenge. It's very clear that your work in driving the startup ecosystem in upstate New York is moving the needle. And it makes a ton of sense that you're spending so much time and energy on it. I am curious at sort of the macro level, to what degree do you think that there is a a zero-sum game at play with talent? Meaning, if you are able to have young folks who want to have serious careers and and make a difference in the world, if you can turn upstate New York into sort of a a jobs-attracting area through all those efforts, does that mean less talent for other regions? Or is there a sort of rising tide lifts all the framework here? First of all, upstate New York has more than 100 colleges and universities that collectively enroll about a half a million college students. It's a big number. We have the largest concentration of STEM programs as a region of any place in the country. We have more than $3 billion a year in corporate and academic research. These are all powerful, powerful assets that are um, cranking out. Um, a lot of smart people. And as we did our research for the book, part of what we try to dive into is, well, what's happening with these graduates? Like we know anecdotally, as we talked about with the runway of tears, parents are waving goodbye to their children 
for the opportunities in these newer industries that they don't see across upstate New York. And there is uh, also population data to be able to show, um, you know, what's happening with populations that are flat or declining, uh, notwithstanding having all this um, university presence and people coming into the state to attend these great colleges and universities. And um, the um, issue of uh, what type of jobs, what, what is the composition of the job market is also available through the Department of Labor. You can look at see by industry classifications, the kinds of jobs that are in various communities. And a very important resource that affected my understanding of these dynamics uh, was a book written by the economist at UC Berkeley, Enrico Moretti, called The New Geography of Jobs. And he's the guy that did a huge amount of research and painting a very clear picture that there's a connection between overall job growth and job growth that is um, driven by companies that are based on an innovation and companies with that innovation, whether it's a product or service, are also doing it for a marketplace that is national or global. Because we all know the internet has made it possible for even small companies to begin having a customer opportunity any place in the world. And so that has lowered the traditional barriers of distribution and created all this opportunity. So the connection between innovation economy companies is what we call it in the book. Uh, the data shows where there are lots of innovation economy jobs, those communities are actually having overall job growth rates much higher than um, communities that, that may have growing population, but don't have a strong growth rate in innovation economy jobs. So there's a, there was a very clear correlation on if you've got job growth in innovation economy jobs, you will also power the growth of jobs in other sectors. And Moretti's research showed that clearly and explained it, explained it by pointing out that the people who work in these newer industries based on innovation selling to a national or global audience are people that are paid a lot more because they have skills that are in such demand, they can go anywhere. They have the luxury of going wherever they want. And the wages that they are paid reflect that. And as you have high-income people, you can think of, well, what, are they, what do high-income people do with their money? Well, they hire more services, more local services. They go out to eat more often, all right? And by the way, these innovation economy companies also outsource as much as they can. Trinet is a recipient of that desire for fast-growing companies to ask someone else who's an expert to handle something like HR, all right? And, and you, you can multiply that time for accounting, marketing, et cetera. And suddenly you're creating more of these opportunities beyond just the company that's doing the innovation. And that's what powers job growth. So 
taking that concept from the new geography jobs research done by Enrico Moretti, we looked at it from a standpoint of where's the talent actually going? We're graduating all these people. Where are they going? And not only us, but in the cities that have this high job growth rate with uh, this correlation that we see, high job growth rate in innovation economy companies is powering high job, overall high job growth rate in these cities. We particularly looked at cities in the population range one to two million. Since these are cities that um, have a significant amount of mass, but they're not giant metropolises like we think of in like New York City or Boston, all right, or um, Los Angeles. And in the book, we actually show the communities in that one to two million range who have the highest job growth rates and the correlation with the growth rates of innovation economy um, jobs powering that overall job rate, job growth rate. And lo and behold, um, uh, we, we also looked at where uh, in those cities, for people that are graduating with STEM degrees, for example, what was the migration of um, people into these communities that had these high growth rates? We call them magnet cities because they had high rates of in-migration. Where do they come from? And we also looked at uh, the cities that were losing talent and also in that same size range of one to two million, of which we have some of those right in upstate New York. And we were able to find by tracking data uh, out of crunch space was one of our, our sources for looking at the individual migration patterns. We were able to find um, in upstate New York's case that the same four cities had the highest um, my, uh, outflow of migration from upstate New York to the same four areas. And those cities were Boston, New York City, Silicon Valley, and the Washington, D.C. Metroplex. And so that, that those same four cities across every cohort we looked at, that's where the bulk of upstate New York's talent was migrating to. So those cities were magnet cities. And we're losing these people from communities like Buffalo, Rochester, Syracuse, Albany. On the same hand, we were able to see in cities in that one to two million range, the retainment of top talent. They didn't have the kind of outflow that we were suffering in upstate New York. And cities like, um, obviously, San Jose is... Uh, <laughs> It's kind of an outlier in one sense because uh, you know their quotient, their what we call the retainment quotient. Um, these are the percentage of students who were educated locally that end up working in innovation economy jobs locally instead of, and, and that becomes their first job right after college. Versus our um, talent exporting communities, where that first job after college is in is someplace else other than where the college is. All right. So uh, what we found is that the uh, cities in the one to two million range that had the highest level of attracting talent uh, right after they graduated from college were Salt Lake City, 
uh, Raleigh, uh, San Jose, and um, and Nashville, and those cities had both high retainment rates and also a high magnetic quotient of getting inbound people. So those were all things that we felt validated the principles that Enrico Moretti also talked about in New Geography of Jobs, where people will move to where they find a tribe they can identify with. If you're a film person, you go to Los Angeles because that's where the action is. If you're a country music person, you go to Nashville, all right? Um, if you're a finance person, New York City is kind of a logical place to find your tribe because we have all these opportunities. And if you apply that same logic to where does the next generation talent who have the special skills to create innovations and want to be something exciting in a new industry that's being um, just started and have great growth potential, then it's pretty logical. You're going to do that by going to an area where that's already happening and you can join a tribe and meet some people who can help you along your way of fulfilling your own professional goals. I think that certainly resonates with me, both in terms of where new jobs come from. I think the data is very clear that it's high growth startups. And a lot of people confuse, say, small businesses where the job growth is, but they're Within the small business category, it's high-growth startups that's causing all the job creation. Non-high-growth small businesses are sort of net neutral in terms of job creation. So I think that's certainly where the opportunities are. That's where the job creation is. I think the framework you point out of the, the word tribe makes a ton of sense. And so I think you know, you've spent the last decade of your life working to create that kind of tribe in upstate New York. And it feels like you're throwing the kitchen sink at it, right? You've created a new political party. You have run for Congress. You have created nonprofits. You've invested a whole host of activities. And we could spend many hours talking about all of them. I'd love to maybe focus on, or at least begin by focusing on two in particular that you talk about. One is increasing the number of just strong personal referrals. And the other one is random collisions that can potentially take place between two people. So you've, you've spent time intentionally trying to create more of those in, in upstate New York, and I'm hoping you can talk about that. Sure. Let's begin with creative collisions, because that is where I would still argue in this world today where many people think I can meet whoever I need to meet just through an online connection. Uh, and there is no doubt there's a rising number of new relationships that get started as a result of an initial online connection. But the vast majority of our most impactful relationships, if we step back and think about how did I meet this person who has ended up having a big impact on my life, personally or professionally, I would argue that having the good fortune of being in the right place at the right time and striking up a conversation with somebody who uh, uh, then developed a relationship with you still has a huge um, impact on um, getting the help you need for whatever it is you're trying to do. And so in our nonprofit Upstate Venture Connect, we began with this idea that we want to get more of the right people into the room. And obviously this is before COVID issues. So let's try to... 
recognize over the last 10 years. 2020 is the first time we've had to uh, deal with things in such a virtual way, but um, hopefully we get through this stage and get back to some of what we have all enjoyed where having the right event where the people who are at the event are with a background and with an interest of bringing them together increases the odds of stumbling into the right person. This is what made it possible for me as a rookie entrepreneur when I began Trinet, knowing nothing about emerging tech. But I, once I made the decision to focus Trinet services on the emerging tech marketplace, it's what made it possible for me to go to these events, run into people at these events who didn't even know who I was, didn't didn't have uh, any understanding about this innovation that we were pioneering because you couldn't say HR and outsourcing in the same sentence back in the late eighties, early nineties, and understand what people you know people didn't understand what you're talking about. It didn't compute. It was an innovation. I was a startup and didn't realize it. I thought it was a small business. I was a startup. So, um, in an event where I would get introduced to someone who would, uh, or I would bump into somebody uh, while I'm having a glass of wine and we talk about it and somebody would say, well, I, you know, I don't need China services, but Bob over here is ramping up. Let me introduce you to him. And suddenly I move into that second category of referral by trusted source. So the person I bump into introduces me to his friend, Bob, and then because I'm being introduced by a trusted source to Bob, Bob gives me his full attention, discussions get started, and I'm off and running. And suddenly I have a customer. I mean, not that night, but the, the, the process has begun. And so what we've done at Upstate Venture Connect is think hard about how do we scale up the volume and quality of getting the right people into the room or the right way to meet each other. Now in 2020, we even do that in a virtual way. If we do a virtual event, such as we have on November 12th, and anyone can find out about this by visiting uvc.org, you'll see there are ways that we make it really easy in a virtual setting to link up with people that they've never met before who might have an interest in helping the next generation entrepreneur. And then when you get the right people in the room, be it in person or virtual, and try to make it easier to uh, have referral sources meet more people. It's all about reducing the friction involved and having an entrepreneur get connected to resources, be it capital, team members, distribution for their product or service, service providers that uh, have specialized expertise. As you know, no, no startup is able to instantly tap everything they need. And it's a true leader that concentrates on expanding the network of key relationships so that that leader can help equip the company with things that they don't have right now. All right. It's, it's a very important part of a leader's role in an emerging company, in any company, you know, not just those who are emerging. So we would work hard at even doing things like setting up a, a curated network. In Upstate Venture Connect, we have our UNY50 network as an example. Where the top people who are committed to growing our ecosystem are invited to participate in this network. And then we do a lot to keep that group 
engaged and informed in sharing information so that when one member of that network is helping an entrepreneur and is looking around for a particular resource, they have other people in the network who can assist with uh, that filling that need. And so we want to keep scaling up the volume and quality of both creative collisions and referral by trusted source. And the book, we give lots of different examples of how we do that. And it's an essential part of our strategy. Every time we make decisions about what we're doing, we kind of run it through that filter to see how is it helping us do these two things. Martin, I think we could continue talking about all of this forever, but we will have to leave it there. The book is More Good Jobs. It is chock full of interesting information, especially for people who want to help build their own innovation ecosystem. It's a great read. And thank you for taking the time today. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Taking Notes with Next Gen Venture Partners. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. To learn more about us or to hear all of our past podcasts, please go to nextgenvp.com. And now for some important disclaimers. The information contained in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to purchase any securities. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Any performance or projections contained herein may be significantly affected by future events. Any opinions, assumptions, assessments, statements, or the like regarding future events or which are forward-looking constitute only subjective views and beliefs, should not be relied on, and are subject to change due to a variety of factors, including fluctuating market conditions and economic factors.